Good morning. Um, for anyone here who doesn't know me, I'm Alice. I'm currently um, working as a ministry apprentice here at Shartan Church. Uh, it would be a real help to me and hopefully to you as well if you turn uh, to Matthew 20, uh, which is what we're going to be spending our time looking at today. And as we begin, uh, why don't I pray for us as we start? Father God, we thank you for your word uh, that speaks to us, for your son that came to call us out of darkness and into light. We pray this morning that you would help us to understand clearly this parable and be changed and challenged by it. And please help me to speak clearly and faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in this parable, we have a landowner who goes out in the early morning to hire people to work on his land. At 9 a.m., he goes out again uh, to hire more people, promising them a fair wage. At midday, at 3 p.m., at 5 p.m., he goes out again, each time calling more people to come and work in the vineyard. And at the end of the day, he pays their wages. At the time, a fair day's wage would be one denarius for a full day's work, and those who had worked part of the day would expect a proportion of that denarius. So what would those who had worked all day think when they saw the people who arrived at 5 p.m. Be having received the full denarius? What would you think in that situation? So imagine the reaction then of those who had worked all day when they open their wage packet and also have just a denarius just the same as everyone else. This first group, they had worked through the heat of the day. They had done the majority of the work. Meanwhile, those who had come at 5 p.m., well, they'd had the whole day to rest, maybe spend time with friends. They'd sort of rocked up, they'd arrived at 5 p.m., and yet they were paid the same as if they had been there all day. And Jesus says, well, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Is this what the kingdom of heaven should be like? Isn't this unjust? We might be happy to tell our co-workers that the Christian message is one of love, faith, joy. Would we be so confident to tell them this story and then say, see, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like? Do you want to come join us? I wonder how you would feel if this happened at work. Say a team of 15 people, including you, are called to work on a project. You are the first person asked to work on this special project. And as time passes, more and more people are added to the team. Some just do a few hours of work as the project reaches its conclusion. And then when the project is finished, the report goes to the CEO and it is announced that a bonus will be paid. How would you feel if as you viewed the final report, you realized that your name was listed alongside your co-workers with no recognition that you had done the majority of the work? How would you feel if when the bonus is paid, you realized that you are paid the same as everyone else? Even though you worked much longer, much harder, you bore the brunt of the work, 
yet receive no extra payment, no recognition. Is this what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's unfair, isn't it? The ones who had worked just a few hours, they didn't deserve the full day's wage. Well, let me ask you another question. Do you want God to reward you fairly for the work you have done for him? Would you like God to weigh up your good deeds against your bad deeds and give you what you deserve? Does that sound fair? Does that sound like a good idea? I hope the answer to that last question is no. That does not sound very good. We know that if God treated us fairly, the only just reward for our lives would be to face God's wrath and punishment for our sinful attitude. Therefore, should we not rejoice in the unfairness of God, the grace of God that accepts those who have not worked hard enough? Are we not thankful that the landowner pays the full amount to those who are undeserving? For without this grace, would we not all be lost? This, then, is the point of the parable. The same grace, the same entry into the kingdom of God is given to all who accept the call. This grace is amazingly unfair, the full payment offered to all, even those who have not worked all day. And in case you are in any doubt... None of us have worked hard enough to have earned the kingdom of heaven. We are all those who have worked just a fraction of the time. Jesus is pointing in this parable to the standards of the kingdom, which are nothing like the standards of this world. The norms, the cultural expectations in the kingdom are nothing like the norms and cultural expectations in this life. In this world, we generally receive just payment for the amount of work done. But in the kingdom, the economy is one of grace, where the generosity of the landowner determines how much each worker is paid. And today, we're going to spend some time thinking about what this radical standard of grace means for our church community. For If this unfair, unjust grace is the way God relates to us, then does this not transform our relationships with one another? And we'll see uh, today two ways in which it does. I wonder if you can look down there with me to verse 15. In verse 15, uh, the landowner responds to the complaining workers saying, Are you envious? Because I am generous. The ESV translates this slightly more helpfully as, or do you begrudge my generosity? The laborers are focused on the hard work they have done and what they think they deserve. So they take no joy. They almost resent the generosity of the landowner. The lack of generosity in their own hearts is shown up by the generosity of the landowner. You see, the world may sometimes be generous. The world is generous when it makes the giver look good or feel good. The world is generous when there might be some future reward. But the generosity of the kingdom is a generosity that can look foolish to the world. 
this story is told of Alexander the Great that one day, uh, a beggar by the roadside, he begs money from Alexander the Great as he passes by. Uh, This man was poor uh, and wretched and had no claim upon uh, the ruler. Yet despite this, the emperor throws some gold coins to the beggar. And a servant was so astonished by this generosity uh, that he comments to Alexander saying, Sir, copper coins would adequately serve the needs of the beggar. Why give him gold? Alexander responded, saying, Well, copper coins would indeed suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. The beggar did not deserve the gold, yet he receives it because, in the case of Alexander, it suits his character, his wealth, to give generously. And the kingdom of God should be like this. We do not give to people based on their merit. Uh, We give because God calls us to be generous. Because it is the, the kind of people that we are. Because it is the culture in the kingdom to which we are called. We are the church. We are not the world. The world gives looking for repayment. We are the people of Christ. We give freely. The world gives based on merit, but we are the church. We give to the undeserving. The world gives cautiously, but we are the people of God. We give generously. And to be clear here, this is not a generosity that ignores the call to be wise stewards of the gifts God has given us. But this is a generosity that has been transformed by grace. Of course, we still need to be wise, but it should be a gracious, a generous, lavish wisdom. And of course, ultimately, we give because God first gave us himself. We see ultimately uh, God's generosity, don't we, in sending his son to die on the cross, in paying the ransom to free those enslaved in sin. We see God's generosity in his rescue of the church, which enables us to be called his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters with a full inheritance in heaven. And when we see God's generosity, are we not then called to imitate this generosity? As the church, we are called to the kingdom of heaven where grace rules. And generosity is one of the ways in which grace is displayed in our community. But a second way in which the kingdom of heaven is shown to be defined by grace is in the application of this principle that the first will be last and the last first. Let's think a bit about why Jesus tells this parable at this point in his ministry. After all, uh, Shortly, uh, Jesus will enter Jerusalem, where he will be betrayed, rejected, and die. Jesus knows the disciples will soon be without the physical presence of Christ, and so he is preparing the disciples for when they will be leaders in this new and transformed community. If you look down, see in uh, chapter 19, verse 30, and then in 20, verse 16, Actually, the same sentence brackets this parable. Many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. 
Jesus is not saying here that there will not be rewards for those who have worked hard. We saw that a few weeks ago. But he is saying that the defining feature of the church community must be grace and a recognition that no one has earned entry into the kingdom. It is a reminder to those who see themselves as being worthy of rewards and honor that the kingdom of heaven is not like the world. There is no room for a preoccupation with status and reward. Jesus knows, you see, that if the disciples make status, recognition, rewards the goal, then love and unity will not be features of the church. I wonder in what ways uh, do we look for status and recognition within church? Do you think we agree sometimes to serve in church, hoping we will be duly recognized and thanked by people? If we're honest with ourselves, is that the reason why we prefer some areas of ministry to others? Would you still be willing to serve even without any thanks or recognition? Because when we're concerned with making ourselves recognized or appreciated or making ourselves uh, noticeable and look good, well, we don't care for others sacrificially. And as everyone does this, then unity is lost. You end up with a group of self-seeking people that end up pulling in lots of different directions rather than one community with one mind, one spirit. And so Jesus teaches them here that the things that are valued in the kingdom of heaven are in stark contrast to the ways of the world. The church should be a place where the lowly are lifted up, where the last will be first, where everyone has value because we are made in the image of God, people called by Christ into his community, people indwelt by the Spirit of God. The church community should be a place where those who are rejected by the world find acceptance and love. There are no social strata in the church. There is just one people called by one God. There was a church in the U.S. where one of the Sunday school teachers had uh, Down syndrome. And one of the children who had been in her class uh, remarked a few years later after having been in that class that she had not realized how unusual it was to have someone with that condition taking such a role of responsibility. The church lifted her up. In the world, it would have been unlikely that she could have had that sort of role. But in the church, in the church, we have a different set of criteria. We value differently. We live in a community where the lowly are lifted high. The church is also a radical community, uh, not just where the lowly are lifted up, but where those that are considered high in the world's eyes are willing to lower themselves. So a pastor, a friend from the UK, was talking to a theology student who had worked really hard to get into this one theology school to be able to uh, learn from, to be able to sit under this one theology professor. And this student was talking uh, to this pastor, a friend of mine, saying, uh, explaining this journey, explaining all the hard work he had put in to, in order to be able to study under this one professor. 
the pastor responded saying, oh yeah, I'm, I know that professor actually. He teaches the young children in our Sunday school. This person who was well-respected, even in the church, as being this um, very knowledgeable, very wise uh, professor, yet he was willing to lower himself uh, for the kingdom to serve sacrificially. And I know that there are people in this church who are like this, who do lower themselves, who do work incredibly hard for God and for the church without thinking about being recognized or thanked. And this morning, we want to thank you for this. We want to thank you for your humility, for your grace, for your self-sacrificial nature. And let us, as a whole church family, seek to imitate this Christ-like behavior. We, along with our brothers and sisters around the world, are the church. We are the people of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls us in this parable to remember that this kingdom is one of grace. We receive generously from God, far above what we deserve. And we are called to be a unique community, one which is defined by grace, defined by generosity, defined by the first being last and the last first. And the supreme example of first becoming last is, of course, Jesus himself. And it is only because he humbled himself that we can live this radical life, that we have hope of living this way. And so as I close, let me just read from the letter to the, letter to the Philippians, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Paul writes, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as we have heard the call that God has made to us, his church, let me lead us in prayer, asking that he will help us to be this kind of community. Father, we thank you for the generosity you have shown us, the undeserved, lavish grace which you have showered upon us. We thank you that you do not treat us as we deserve. Help us to be people like you who give generously to those who are undeserving. Help us to be a church that lifts up the lowly. Help us to be people who lower ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. And we thank you today for those among us that are already like this. And may each one of us be more and more people after your own heart. Spirit of God, equip us now to go out into the world as your ambassadors. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.